Welcome to Psych World. We help you navigate the emerging psychedelic market. We do this by keeping you up to date with the latest market moves and news. My name's Taylor, and I'm with my co-host Megan today. Hey, what's up, guys? This is our first episode of a weekly series where we want to explore and learn all about this new and emerging industry and follow the growth of the psychedelic stock market. Real quick, this is not financial advice. This is not health advice. This is just us exploring the psychedelic stock market and learning together. I know barely anything about stocks in general, and I'm here to ask all the silly questions so you guys don't have to. So our first episode is just going to be a little overview of this new emerging market. A lot of people don't know that it's only less than a year old, uh, you know, from a lot of these companies that have been public, you know, the oldest companies started in 2019. So that's important to know because especially in a new drug market, it takes time to develop these drugs. So when you're looking for new investments and and you're going and exploring this space for the first time, you know, you're going to have to have this long-term vision when investing in this market because it's so new. But that's also extremely bullish because there's so much potential in this market. It can go, you know, these 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 companies that are 30 cents now with a market cap of 50 million, you know, maybe one day they could be 300 million when they are producing these drugs or they're, you know, making these compounds that are part of everyone's health regimen. Did you know that this market was as new as it is? Uh, Yeah, I had an idea that it was pretty new, but the fact that most of them are less than a year of being public, that's kind of news to me. Well, I don't know if, I, I mean, I can reiterate that a lot of these companies have been funding or they've been collecting funds for a little bit more than a year, but I would guesstimate that, yeah, a lot of these companies that are public right now have been on the market for about a year. Uh, And through my research and, you know, just knowing emerging markets in general, that actually means almost like 90% of these companies won't be here in the long run, you know, in the 10 to 15 year, 20 year timeline. So that's another thing to look out when you're investing in this kind of market. So like any emerging market, it's important to follow these companies and to make sure they have revenue on the horizon because they're cornering a niche market, you know, and they have to corner this niche market with a unique strategy. We're gonna be researching these companies and you'll hear me say uh, they need a vision. They need like a a clear vision because everything's so new and everything's getting developed anyways. They at least need to have how they're gonna make revenue on the horizon, you know, and they need to have a clear vision of that. I have a question. Yeah. Are these companies like, because I know there's, it's not like legal everywhere. So the companies that are like dealing with these compounds that are, you know, considered illegal in some places, are they all like in one saturated kind of location? Um, are they spread out? Do you know like where they're all located? Like, yeah, that's a good question. A lot of these companies, they started in Canada because Canada was a lot more uh, lenient. They had a lot of more gray areas in their legislation. I'm not. sure that it was legal when a lot of these companies were started. I know Canada is a way that a lot of these companies are getting onto the OTC market because they can get into the Canadian market first and then they can prove themselves. And, you know, that's a lot of that's a way a lot of these uh, OTC companies get on the market in the first place. So they're taking advantage of that, too. They're taking advantage of it being decriminalized and that being a way to get onto the OTC market here in America easier. You know, that brings me to the next point I wanted to bring up. There's so much potential in this market. There was a report released by the Research and Markets 
that in 2020, the market cap was $4.7 billion, and that's projected to reach $10.75 billion in 2027. And I totally agree with that. You know, that's a little more than a doubling. Honestly, I personally could see more than that. These markets are emerging under these gray areas. And so as these entire countries legalize or decriminalize, and as these entire states and eventually federally, you know, gets rescheduled and stuff like that, that's only going to open up this market to more capital and to more, you know, people and that, that are interested in psychedelics that are maybe scared because it's not legalized in their state. They've never tried it, you know. That's the potential in this. Once these states and once these cities legalize or decriminalize, it's just going to open up more room for more capital and more investors to come in. So as of today, where are psychedelics currently legal? As of October 21st, there's been nine cities in one state that has legalized or decriminalized psychedelic plants and fungi. A lot of you might have heard like Denver and Seattle, but it's not centralized it's actually spread out around the country where some of these places on the east coast like vermont or the latest city to decriminalize has been east hampton massachusetts and so you know it's not just california or the west coast or you know one little area it's actually even texas florida is looking at it philadelphia is looking at it so a lot of these places are i think that's what the potential is so big is we're seeing this giant resurgence of psychedelics and we're going to see it move really quickly. So what's going to happen if and when that does happen? Oh, I mean, I don't know. The way I look at it, I think that it's going to create this huge, it's going to open up this giant opportunity for people that have always wanted to try it. And maybe they were scared because it was illegal or it's just going to give the opportunity to have these different therapies and these different places to go to so people can take it and experience the, you know, these different therapies and therapeutics in a safe spot where they can have the the stigmatization the i think people stigma. are gonna yeah i think people are gonna have the stigma like taken away from psychedelics because people are going to be able to use it in a safe spot and it's going to be able to melt that propaganda and that myth that you know everyone knows how powerful psychedelics are and i think that's been used against psychedelics and we're going to be able to see that quickly change so in the places where it's currently legal to have psychedelics and use them and like in the future places where it might be are people allowed to like actually trip or is it limited to kind of just like therapeutic use yeah in places like oregon they just decriminalize it for everyone over 21 so it's recreational use in other cities they did strictly for medical reasons and therapeutic uses uh my personal view would be you know it's these are natural plants and fungi that grow so it's really hard to regulate that in the first place and that's why you know the whole war on drugs failed and it's never you know this stuff is not new this is we know how powerful psychedelics are and that's not going away anytime soon so that's why it's going to be so hard to regulate and the best way forward is to just regulate it because a lot of those resources are being misused anyways and they can be directed to different areas nice what about like field shrooms i know that's a dumb question <laughs> yeah but. um possession of that is legal now so you can actually collect and harvest um you know there's some countries that have been in gray areas for years now where uh in different culture and stuff like that it's been legal but yeah a lot of these places in a lot of these cities if you get caught or like say you had some personal on you there i think it varies you know the different grams but 
is decriminalized up to a certain amount. Oh, nice. Yeah, that that makes sense. I can definitely see how that would create some potential in the market. Yeah, there's, you know, a lot of these places haven't even legalized yet. Uh, they're just decriminalized. So that's a huge point, too. Uh, once this gets rescheduled federally, that's going to open up actual bank money and actual institutional money to come in also. That's a giant thing that's missing from this market right now. And that's something that is usually available to, you know, all kinds of emerging markets. So I think that's, so I think that's going to be a huge part is when this actually becomes hundred percent legal. And as soon as that happens, you'll see this giant, you know, flood of money coming into a market because there's so much potential in creating new drugs and therapies that they haven't even been discovered yet that there's not even time for these companies to fail yet. So there's still a potential for the initial boom as hasn't even happened yet, really. So who would be like funding it? Would it be like recreational as in alcohol? Like, or would it be medical as in like pharmaceutical funding? I, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. You know, the funding's going to come from venture capitalists and other institutions eventually as the legalization happens but there's going to be a bunch of different markets that are going to open up and that are have already opened. You know, there's going to be the farming part of it. There's going to be the pharmaceutical part of it. There's even going to be the therapy sort of part of it, like the, where you go into a clinic and you maybe you can get treated for addiction treatment or some kind of brain injury or something like that. So there's a bunch of different parts to this new market. So you're saying there's going to be like a, a section that's agricultural also? I mean, yeah, there's going to be there's going to have to be some kind of manufacturing or farming behind a lot of this. So I could see, you know, in these like coffee shops, you could call them in Amsterdam or and stuff like that. There's going to be physical truffles and physical actual mushrooms and different, you know, peyote even or mescaline and stuff like that and different compounds that are available for recreational use. I can see that happening already and, you know, that's going to spread out. But there's also going to be different types of compounds and different you know again there's going to be different sectors of the market so and the thing in mushrooms so it's not just mushrooms is it just mushrooms no no there's i mean it varies city by city but a lot of these cities are uh legalizing a wide variety of plants and fungi that are psychedelics and mostly just tryptamines like okay. MDMA, LSD, yeah, I was like, DMT, <laughs> uh, psilocybin, mescaline, peyote, um, a lot of these same compound or you know ayahuasca stuff like that. So can and all of them can help. And ketamine. All of them can be applied in a therapeutic sense, or are some of them just strictly for like recreational? Yeah, that varies. It's it's definitely varying right now. Like I said, in Oregon, it is recreational. Um, in Denver, it's recreational. Uh, and also, and of course, in the same places that is recreational, you can get it in a medical setting. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is like the different, what did you call them, tryptamines? Like, can they all be applied like therapeutically or are some of them strictly for like tripping and like having a good time? Oh, uh, that's a huge debate, you know, in the psychedelic world. Uh, you know, I think personally, 
everyone's going to have their own compound that's going to work different and that's the research right now we no one knows that the answer to that question actually there's so they're actually developing and they're researching and doing clinical trials to figure out the answers to that nice well i guess only time will tell yeah you know and they don't know exactly which tryptamines are the best for certain ailments but yeah only research can tell you that so it's pretty exciting and that's why you're actually able to invest in this market while there's research going on and not just like basic research like the ground foundational research so it's kind of like the more research the quicker the like investing market will open up because like the more research means the easier it will be for places to to legalize this stuff yeah i think the the research will be able to show the people in congress and the people that are writing legislation they'll be able to write legislation more informed nice so where they're you said they're doing most of the research in canada uh, a lot of the legalization in a lot of the gray area is in canada and that's why a lot of the market uh, starts in Canada and makes its way to the United States as the public like offering as in the stock market but no a lot of the research is being done through universities in the United States and Israel uh, yeah in Canada and in some places in Europe too how can the universities do it like how how is that okay <laughs> if it's not yeah, legal that's been the main pretty much the main uh, hub for research since it's been underground in the 50s and 60s. Um, I don't know. That's just been the only gray area where universities have been able to universities have been able to research stuff. Like they've actually been researching cannabis since, you know, like I think it was like the University of Mississippi, oddly enough, like grew the federally legal cannabis that was administered to people federally. You know, there's a weird little program. I remember learning about that. College towns, man, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, you know, and then I guess it's strictly research, so they can get some kind of permit or gray area. But yeah, that is a huge, a lot of these universities are where a lot of these compounds started and a lot of this research started in the first place. So a lot of them are getting grants and they're pushing it forward now. Um, you know, they're definitely being able to inform the people that are making the laws. So they're using government money to, to like, play with these like illicit substances that aren't technically legal according to the government um uh because that's pretty gangster honestly i mean some of them are yeah they okay so the i want to go into a later episode on this but the first federal grant in 50 years actually was given to john hopkins recently so that, that was the first federal grant in 50 years but yeah there's been private research and private funding for a lot of this um like drug and therapeutic research at the university level that's wild yeah it's an emerging market you know it's just now starting and that's why i want to wrap this up or bring it back to that's why this is a long-term vision because this is an interesting opportunity it's a unique opportunity to get into a market that isn't even legal you know in the whole state but yet you can put your money into it and invest in it and you know hoping and envisioning and having the foresight and that it's going to become legal and you know we can just put two and two together that once this does happen you know it's going to spread and become normalized and the capital is going to open up this giant opportunity for the market so i just want to wrap up today by going over some of the top movers 
we had side bio jump 15.8% on the OTC QB market. Pharma drug went up 12 and percent and Algernon went 6.6% up today. All three of these companies do have smaller market caps compared to some of the bigger companies. But the most interesting company on this list is SciBio. They have a biosynthetic process where they're taking and isolating smaller compounds found in like the magic mushroom and other natural plants. And they're seeing if these small compounds have the same therapeutic benefits of some of these more well-known tryptamines. And I think that's super interesting. So they're going to take their biosynthetic process and they're going to isolate these compounds and use that process to produce large amounts of these small trace and you know these small trace molecules and that is going to you know open up the doors to completely new therapeutics that we couldn't do that in nature so that's super interesting you know they deserve the to grow in this space i think uh, i know a little bit about pharma drug and i know a little about a bit about algernon i know algernon is strictly preclinical and like strictly drug research and drug repurpose company and pharma drug is a european company that deals with cannabis and i think they're starting to get into the psychedelic space but yeah by far SciBio is going to be the company to look out for on that list all right so i hope you guys listened along and were you know interested in what me and my co-host megan had to say uh that was our first episode of a weekly podcast so be sure to catch our next episode where we talk about the history use of psychedelics, the current use of psychedelics, and maybe the future of psychedelics. See you guys next week. Bye, guys.